Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Cord Lyman with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Digital Studies. Going to be live right here from our studios in Daytona Beach, Florida. Good to have everyone here with us today. If you're joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry, and it is a ministry of Raven Ministries International. If you want more information on Raven Ministries International, you can actually go to our website at www.biggrace.com. That's www.biggrace.com. Excuse me, get more information on Raven Ministries International, not just what we're doing here in Daytona Beach, but all across the United States, uh, Canada, and in Mexico. Good to have you. What we do, we're here Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 10 a.m., and we've just began an expository teaching and a look at the book of the Revelation. If you have not joined us in the past, we're going to be having these available on our website as we can get those uploaded. So uh, any classes that we have in the book of the Revelation are going to be available for free downloads. We make those available to you through our website. You can just go to web, uh, biggrace.com and click on the Raven Institute, and those things will be up as we do it within the next couple of days. We're getting that system reset back up, and so those are going to be available to you as well. If you have questions or comments uh, concerning any of the teaching we do on the, on the program, you can actually send your questions to Raven, R-A-V-E at biggrace.com. Be glad to answer those. Some of them we can answer on the air if they're pertinent to our, our teaching or if you have other questions, not just relating to the book of Revelation, but anything in regards to, to the Scripture. We don't pretend to have all the answers, but we do know who does have the answers, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he speaks through his word and through his Holy Spirit. So once again, good to have everyone here today. Once again, Deb, put on the screen. If you have prayer requests, send those to pray at biggrace.com. Today, if you're listening to us live, we're going to be on tonight at uh, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to continue our, our uh, Raven Nation program uh, this evening from 8.30 till 10, kind of a uh, our update on the elections, our election coverage from a biblical perspective. So we just encourage you to get here. Also, we pray for the sick. If you have people that, that have a, a need physically, we do that in our... Uh, intercessors uh, pray on Tuesday nights as well. So be sure and send that in before 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll be glad to, to join with you in prayer and in faith and believing for those uh, prayer needs that you have. And continue to pray today for the election. You know, I know what Psalm 75 says. It says that God raises up one and puts down another, that uh, promotion doesn't come from the north, south, east, west, the Electoral College or anywhere else, that God will raise people up for a certain time for a certain purpose. Just as he raised up David, he had previously allowed Saul to get raised up. So regardless of what happens here in the United States with the election, uh, God is still on the throne and he is not scooting over for anyone. So once again, thank you for joining us today for the Raven uh, uh, Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. And if you have questions today, please hold those off until the end of the top of the hour, and we'll be glad to answer those. That way there's not a distraction during our teaching time. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we just thank you for this day. Uh, Lord God, and we're just uh, we're honored and awed, Lord God, at your presence. We thank you, Lord God, for another opportunity, Lord God, to come and to, to touch you, Lord Jesus. Even as we, we talked about before, Lord God, when, when Mary went to the garden tomb, he said, Don't touch me, I've not yet been glorified. But, Father, you, you glorified your son, Lord God, at the death, burial, and the resurrection. And, Father, today we can touch him, Lord God. We've been giving unfettered access, Lord God, to your power and to your presence. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, I just come before you today, and I just ask, Lord God, just that you would give me, Lord God, in, in my fallibility, Lord God, the ability, Lord God, to, to speak your word, Lord God, precisely and concisely, Lord God, to your people today. Lord God, we, we got, we've got to touch you. We know that we can touch you, Lord God, through looking into your revealed word. And so, Father, I pray, Lord God, for, for each and every one that would be with us live today and those that would be listening uh, later on, on delayed broadcast or on a CD, Lord God. I pray, Father, for the mind of Christ, Lord God. I, I desperately need it. And I pray, Lord God, 
for myself, and I pray that others are interceding on my behalf, even as, as you're constantly giving intercession on my behalf, Lord God. That, Father, we could, that your spirit, Lord God, would come through, Lord God, this, this vessel. Let's make myself available to you today. And ask, Lord God, that the Holy Spirit would be the teacher, Lord God, but he would use, Lord God, uh, Lord God, me in order to, to convey, Lord God, what you would have uh, for your people to know today. Father, I pray for those that have been sick in body, those that are struggling in different areas of their life. Maybe it's finances, just maybe it's a job or, or a relationship. And Father, I just ask, Lord God, today that you would just reveal yourself in the midst of those situations, Lord God, that you might uh, bring deliverance, that you might bring freedom, that you might bring a hope, Lord God, that you might bring a peace that passes all understanding. And we thank you for all those things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Blessed be the Lord. Good to have everyone here today. Good to have some that missed it. Pastor Terry was actually on the road. You guys see his uh, nice little name up there. He was on the road yesterday. He called me up and he said, how are you starting without me? Brother, we're, we're right here in the saddle. Good to have you back, Pastor Terry. Good to have uh, uh, Steve from Indiana and Kim from New Mexico and Donna, Pennsylvania. Mom and Dad just popped on and from Texas and, and different ones from around the country. Good to have all you guys that are with us here today as well. Folks, listen, i, I got to say, as, as a Bible teacher... For me, there's probably few books within the, the realm of Scripture that, that stir me up as much as uh, when I'm studying and teaching, uh, as, the, as does the, the, the revelation of the unveiling of, of, of Christ. Seriously, when, when, I, when I think about this, and just the awesomeness of it and what it means to me on a personal level, uh, I, 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 get, I get goosebumps, I get butterflies. You know, I've been preaching the gospel and teaching the word for, for years and years and years, I've been in some of the hairiest situations you could ever imagine. And, and few of those situations really cause me, when I say stirred, I'm not talking about the stirred of 1 Timothy 4 when he says stir up the gifts that are within you. I'm just talking about just a, a, a kind of an unsettling even. And, you know, I, I think about, you know, the, the Gospel of John. You know, the Gospel of John, when you read it, when somebody gets saved, I always have them go to the Gospel of John right off the bat because it's so inspirational. You, you see how inspired, you see just who Jesus was. And, you know, if, if, and once they get saved, I, I take them as we study the book of, of Romans. In the book of Romans, whereas John is inspirational, Romans is really transformational. You know, and we saw that as we went through the, the, the scripture in, in the, the book of Romans. And so as we come to this, this is revelational. And so, and I'll say that again, John inspirational, Romans transformational. But, but the book of the Revelation is revelational. And so uh, it, it has that ability to stir up and to challenge you in areas maybe that you've, you've not been challenged before. And I'm not talking about in a doctrinal way like the book of Romans. I'm talking about it in a personal way uh, of knowing him and, and having that intimacy with, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, as I said in our last class, you know, the, the Gospels and the Epistles really serve to allow us to, to feel the hand of Jesus Whereas the, this letter really causes us to be able to see the face of Jesus. And, you know, personally, when studying and, and really uh, teaching uh, the, the revelation, you know, I can, I can somewhat uh, see how it relates to the, the prophet Isaiah. And Deb and I was talking about this after the, the program yesterday. And you see it in how he, he must have felt in, when, in, in, in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, when suddenly he found himself in the presence of the Lord. And you remember what he said in, 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 in Isaiah 6, 5? He said, woe unto me. He said, I am undone. That's what I'm talking about with that, that stirring. He said, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He said, because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of 
host. And folks, listen, this, this becoming undone in Hebrew literally means to be rendered speechless at the, at the side of a theophany. Or that, uh, that theophany, we talked about this a little bit in Romans. Or theo means God in, in, in fanny, P-H-A-N-Y, literally means a, a manifestation or an appearance of something. And so when, when I study this, it, it's like that. You know, uh, uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And folks, when we sit down to the revelation, it gives us the opportunity not just to feel the hand of the Lord, but to see the face of the Lord. And I don't know about it for you, but it, it, it undoes me, and it really causes me to take stock and inventory of my life and my relationship. It really causes me to, to throw myself on the mercy of God and on the blood of Jesus and have a heart of repentance, even in preaching and teaching this word through, through tears and a, and a stirring and, a, and, a, and an undoneness, knowing that, that in my flesh dwells no good thing. And so when, when, when we have that, that kind of that becoming undone or that being rendered speechless or that theophany or coming in contact with the, the revealed Christ, you know, we think about the word epiphany. You know what epiphany means. It means really a sudden comprehension of something. And, you know, sometimes you think in your life, man, you just get it. You know, you've seen it a million times or you've read something in the Scripture and all of a sudden the Spirit of God just comes alive in you. And it just you get this epiphany. There's this comprehension that you never had before. You know, maybe when you first got saved that you, you came from a religious background. You come from a situation where, quote, unquote, you were in church or whatever else. But all of a sudden this epiphany came and there was a revelation of who he was and you finally comprehended what it was all about. Folks, you know, I remember calling myself saved. But I know what it meant when I became born again. I moved from a place of somebody else telling me I was okay to the Spirit of God bearing witness with my spirit that I was a child of God. And so, folks, this, 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 this place with, with Isaiah even, talking about Isaiah chapter 6, talking about how it relates to this, it kind of placed him in kind of a precarious situation because, you know, uh, now, after that, he was rendered silent. He was just stupefied, so to speak. But he was also responsible to, to open up his mouth and bring forth the word of God that, that he was speaking unto him. And so what you'll see here as we study the Revelation is John faced really a similar situation. And, and we'll look at it real close when we get to verse 17 here in the next uh, few days. But it says when he saw him in verse 17... Or when he suddenly comprehended, when he had that, that, that epiphany or that theophany when he saw the Lord uh, who had manifested, it said he felt like a dead man. Folks, listen, I tell you what, when you come in contact with the presence of God, uh, you know, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians one twenty nine says that no flesh should glory in his presence. You know, your, your flesh is not going to be able to survive. That's why John the Baptist said, you know what, there's one coming after me who, who shoe latches that I'm not uh, worthy to unloose. He said, yes. I baptize you with water and repentance, but the one coming after me is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Folks, listen, when you come into the presence of God, he said, my God is a consuming fire. And what happens, there is that stirring, there is that undoing of ourselves, that, that death to self and causing Christ Jesus to come alive in, in our hearts and lives. And so the, the revelation of Jesus is, is a written theophany. It, and it really what it does is it can provide us that epiphany or that that sudden comprehension of what he wants to tell us and, and really it, it, it dares allow us to kind of to, to, to come into a place of intimacy with him and, and it's more than just some flex, fleshly exercise or this routine in, in bible study and so folks i hope as we, we we delve deeper into this it won't just become just this routine of, of bible study but you're saying god i need a daily epiphany i need a daily comprehension of you as you bring a theophany as you bring that 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 me face to face in a manifestation and a revelation uh, of who you are and so it says about isaiah that when he arose uh, uh from that condition of becoming undone at, at the revelation of the Christ in the Old Testament, 
that he wrote probably what is considered the, the most revealing picture of Jesus in the Old Covenant. You think about it. I mean, it's, we've called Isaiah the, the, old, the, 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 the gospel of the, the Old Testament. You see the, the promise of Jesus. You see the, 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 the prophecy of the cross, the, the virgin birth, all these things that he would suffer. And so you get this, this revealed picture in the Old Covenant that they could never have comprehended until he, he became undone and had that epiphany through that theophany of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as John arises literally kind of from this, this falling like a dead man at the unveiling of Christ, he writes what we need to see is really the most revealing and unveiling revelation of who Jesus Christ is in the New Covenant as well. And so Isaiah proclaims and, and describes his first coming. You can put that down. As Isaiah proclaimed and described his first coming, really in a, in a vivid, unmistakable detail, John proclaims and describes his second coming in equal fashion. And so you folks that have spent a lot of time in the book of Isaiah and you've seen the revelation of Jesus, that was the revelation of his first coming. Now, if you want to see the revelation of who he is when he returns, we're going to find that in the book of the Revelation. So uh, I really want to, uh, to encourage you, allow the, the Spirit of God to kind of render you silent and to cause you to fall dead at his feet as 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 as, as really as dead men that he might uh, teach us to to believe and to to see him in a in a deeper and more intimate way. And I find I think what you're going to find yourself doing is is, is walking in a whole new dimension or level of faith, whatever terminology you want to use for that. And so let's look at Revelation one one uh, this morning in in light of all of that of falling like dead men of becoming undone and allowing him to speak into our life. And here's what it says: It says the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and he signified it by his angel unto the servant, unto his servant, John. So, folks, really right out of the chute. And we talked about this a little bit more, uh, a little bit more yesterday. Uh, it, it really gives us the basis for this study. And it says it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to see him. And I mentioned in our last class that, that if we ever lose focus on, on what it's all about, then we'll lose our vantage point. We'll lose our perspective on everything that's designed to give us. And so if, if I'm not always saying, okay, God, what are you trying to reveal about Jesus? Rather than what are you trying to reveal about eschatology or the study of the end times? What are you trying to reveal about the Antichrist? What are you uh, trying to reveal about the governmental structure of the, of the last days? If I ever think that that's the focus, I miss it. And everything will go right over my head. I'll miss it altogether, uh, what he's trying to, trying to speak to me. And so this, is, is this, this revelation or this unveiling, or as we gave the word yesterday, Greek word, apocalypses, in itself, it's, it's really foreshadowed excuse me, throughout the epistles leading up to this letter. I'm going to give you some scriptures to show how he's revealing himself and how he sets that, that standard. If you don't mind putting that in glass for me. In Romans 8, 18 and 19 says this. Romans 8, 18 and 19 says this. He says, for I reckon, and I want you to pay real close attention. I'm going to give you about four verses here that's going to help you to set up and give you the right vantage point of perspective on the study of the book of Revelation. Folks, listen, we can't study one thing without studying the rest. This is, this is a, a book of letters that's, that's got one thing in mind. So I, I, want, I always want to show you how all of this connects together. Romans 8, 18 through 19. I'll go to Romans because it's where we came from with our 197-hour uh, study on the book of Romans. Thank you, my brother. It says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory 
which shall be revealed in us. We talked about the manifestation of God's glory a little bit yesterday. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. That word manifestation is that exact same word. It's that apocalypsis. And so here's another one. 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 7. 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 7. He said, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything that you are enriched by him, in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift waiting for the coming, apocalypses, the word coming, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Thessalonians 1.7 And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus Christ shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. That word revealed, apocalypses. First Peter 1, 5 through 7 who are, we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in this last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor, glory, appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word appearing, apocalypses. And so, folks, if you want to have a, a, really a way to remember what the revelation is all about, think about this. I'm going to give you, it's interesting when I give you these, these references. 1 Corinthians 1 7. The Apocalypse is talking about his coming, it's revealing his coming. 2 Thessalonians 1 7. That Apocalypse is talking about his revealing himself to us. 1 Peter 1 7. The Apocalypse is describing his appearing unto us. Isn't that interesting? That you get these three verses that are all one seven, and every single one, one of them use the exact same uh, Greek word, talking about that 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 revelation of the unveiling. So wh- whether you're facing, here's what's so neat about that: whether you're facing suffering, like it talks about in that unveiling in Romans eight, whether you're facing the need for an empowerment, as you see right there in First Corinthians uh, one seven, or if you see going through a trial, as you you see in Second uh, Thessalonians one seven, or the temptations that Peter was talking about in First Peter one seven, it's always the revelation of Jesus Christ that's going to carry you through those situations. You hear what I'm saying? And so wherever you find yourself at, maybe today or tomorrow, whenever it is in your life, always go back and say, God, I want you to reveal yourself in my situation. Lord God, if I'm going through a trial, if I'm going through suffering, if I need you to empower me, to enable me to do something beyond the limitations of the natural man, if, Lord God, I'm being tempted by the adversary, your help and your hope and your deliverance is going to come through the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to give you another scripture on that. Jeremiah chapter 23 Verses 23 and 24. Jeremiah 23, 23 to 24. He said, And am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in the secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and fill the earth, saith the Lord? Now, now folks, listen. Is God's hand shortened? We know from Isaiah that it's not. We know that he's not just a God afar off or just near. That he's, he's God all by himself. He's God everywhere. And, and can, can we hide ourselves from the secret place and, and, and not be seen of him? Folks, listen. He, he wants to reveal himself to us. He don't want us to hide like, like Adam and Eve did in the garden at their failure. What he wants to do through his, the, his son Jesus and the redemptive work of the cross is to reveal himself to us. Now, look at this. 1 John 3, 1 and 2. 1 John 3, 1 and 2. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that 
When he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, folks, think about something just for a minute. You know, we're, we're talking about right there in 1 John 3, 1 and 2, the same thing. Are you going to be seen of him? Is he going to be seen of you? We don't know what we will be, but when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Folks, listen, we don't have to wait to be like he is until that appearing in the eastern skies. You know why? Because right now, in every single one of our lives, as we seek him, he says you will find him. And we, will, we can see him as he is, because what has he given us? He has given us this glorious revelation, this unveiling of himself in this, this revelatory work that we're studying today. And so if I want my life and my heart and my testimony and my attitude and everything that was in me to line up with him, what do I need to do? I need to find myself seeking him and desiring him and in hot pursuit of of his presence. And so I want you to think about something just for a minute as I'm talking about this. Apostle John, here he is. We talked about here he was on the Isle of Patmos writing this revelation. He was the last of the disciples. Okay, Everyone else had been killed, martyred. He was up in age at the time. He, he had getting uh, along, in, along in years. He had been exiled to the, to the, uh, and, and alone on the Isle of Patmos by this, this, this evil tyrant, uh, Dominican. Then all of a sudden, yeah, what did I say? Isolation brings revelation. And so all of a sudden, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which gave to him. Folks, listen, you may find yourself in, in similar situations. You may find yourself in, in, in boiled, uh, so to speak, within circumstances of life. But if you will allow him, if you'll get yourself alone before him, and I'm not, when I say alone, I don't necessarily mean in, in a place by your, quote unquote, by yourself like he was, but I'm talking about isolating your thoughts, isolating your, your attention, isolating your, your love and your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what you're going to find? You're going to find that isolation is going to generally going to bring a revelation of who he is, regardless of what you find yourself uh, confronted with. So look at this. It says the revelation, reading on our, 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 our verse, verse one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him. Okay? I want to think about something for a minute. This is a letter. And don't, don't miss this. You may not see how important it is now, but you're going to see it as we go on. This is a letter that was given to Jesus Christ from the Father that we have the privilege of reading. Think about that for a second. This is a letter that was given to Jesus Christ from the Father that we have been privileged to be able to read. You know, it would be like me writing a, a love letter to, to Melanie, and, 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 and she has that love letter, and she says, man, you know what? He's expressing his love for me and his, his faithfulness to me, all these, these intimate secrets that, that he and I share, and, and her saying, but I want you to read. I want you to see exactly what's in this relationship. Folks, what we got here in the Revelation and, and I think so many times because people have a miscomprehension and a misconception of what it's all about, they don't realize what we're able to do is we're able to read a letter that God the Father has written to God the Son. And, and what we've been doing is we've been given access really to, I guess you could call it a, a revelatory correspondence that's taking place among the Godhead. I mean, we are, we are getting privy to inside information. We, we get, the, we get the, the internal memo, so to speak, of what's happening amongst the Godhead. Uh, folks, for, for me, that, that excites me. I mean, I, mean, I want to know. I want to know what's going on. It'd be like us in this day and age, somebody inviting us to go and sit in the Oval Offices as the President of the United States begins to, to speak to the, to the Joint Chiefs. 
And we're getting inside information that's going to allow us to have a different perspective on things. Folks, listen, that's what he's doing. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, this, this written correspondence. And so I want you to always keep in mind what we're looking at here is God's really communicate to his son Jesus in regards to exactly how he's going to reveal himself uh, uh, to this world and more importantly to his body, the church. And, and something important here, write down Matthew eleven twenty seven. Matthew eleven twenty seven. I'm going to show you why this is, why, why it's so tremendously important for everything that we do and everything that we are and, and the Great Commission and everything that encompasses uh, we as believers. Matthew 11:27 says this. It says, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal, apocalypto, him. You see what I'm saying? All things have been delivered to me by my Father. Here's this letter that was delivered to Jesus by his Father out of the Gospel of Matthew. And no one knows the Son except the Father. Nobody knows the intimacy of that relationship. Nor does anyone know the Father. No one, no one is between them. No one has an understanding of the Godhead like they do. Except the Son and... You see that word and? And the one to whom the Son wills or desires... To reveal, to give the apocalypto, or the, that's the, the word, the, that's the, 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 the root of the word apocalypse is where we're getting this from. Folks, listen. What, what we can, we can know the Father, we can know the Son, we can know the intimacy of them, because He has chose to reveal these things to us. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto Him, to show, to reveal, to give us the inner workings of how God thinks, of how God desires to flow and to, to move in our life. And so, folks, if you're thinking to yourself, you know what, man, I'm just, I'm just not hearing from God. Go to the revelation. Go to the place where you're, you're getting something uncut. You're, you're, and, and what's so wonderful about this to me, folks, is, you know, I think about uh, uh, the, the Scripture being inspired. It's given to holy men of old, that, that theonoustos, that God breathing upon people. Even with the, the Roman letter, uh, many times Paul is, is talking about his struggles and things. Folks, we're not getting that in the Revelation. We are getting something totally uncut, unbuffered, uh, 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 unaffected by the, the commentary of man. And it's a letter strictly written within the confines of the Godhead. So think about it in those terms. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show his servants. Matthew eleven twenty seven. he's going to show, or apocalypto, the, the ones he desires to reveal it to. Then it says right here, he's going to show it unto his servants, things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and he signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. Folks, listen. That, that word servant, some of you guys are going to remember it from our study in, in Romans. It's the doulos. And, and it's, it, what it means, it's a slave, it's a bondman, it's a, 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 a servile condition, it's, a, a, it's somebody that's a servant unto, unto death. It's, it's those, if you want to break it down to us, it's those who have trusted Christ. We've become his servants. It's those who have, be, uh, uh, have come to a place of, of representing him, uh, uh, Jesus Christ, on this world. It's, it's, it's somebody that's here to announce his kingdom, to preach his righteousness, his holiness. And folks, here's the thing. A servant is somebody that does the will of the Father, not his own will. And it's somebody that's called to bring an administration or to administer the things of the kingdom of God. Folks, listen. The letter is to the servants of Jesus Christ. And for this reason, folks, unless someone is a servant of Christ, this letter will make absolutely no sense to them. It will not. And so, you know, there's many people that study. We talked about Hollywood and all these things that try to make movies and books and all these things on on the Revelation. 
they, they miss it because they're not bond servants. They're not they have not uh, laid down their life to serve him and to represent him. Folks, unfortunately, that same thing has happened in the church because people have not bonded themselves to his truth and to come to the, the, the place of, of, of unwavering commitment unto him. What you hear, you hear people that open up the revelation, they'll totally miss it. Because there's no comprehension, because they've not said, God, I'm undone. I, I, I don't want to try to decipher something, Lord God, but I want something revealed to me just as it was given to you from the Father. And so Romans 1.1, we talked about it. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. And so, folks, the reason that, that it's being delivered by a servant or someone bound their lives to Jesus is because that's what it takes. It takes somebody with that type of commitment to him. For it to be delivered unto us. And so what I believe is that if you can get the doulos mentality in in whatever you do, and we talked about this after the program just a little bit, uh, in regards to what the Roman letter taught us and about uh, uh, being crucified with Christ, as Galatians tells us, if we can come to that place of that that doulos mentality, what you're going to do is you're going to qualify for the doulos ability. I need a doulos mentality to have a doulos Ability And the doulos ability gives you the ability to comprehend the revelation that God wants for you. Folks, listen, you know, I, I, I as, a, as a lost person coming up, man, I would get a Bible open. And, and I remember as a, as a young man, my, my folks having this big old white Bible, family Bible with a blue eyed Jesus on the front of it. And, you know, I, I was around Christian people and around things like that. And I'd get that, that book and I'd get that Bible and, and I would just I'd read it and I would I would literally cry. Because I could not comprehend it. I could not understand it. I'd hear about things. And I'd say, I want, to, I want to read that. So I'd go to the concordance of this big uh, 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 Bible with a blue-eyed Jesus on the front. And I'd try to read things. And there was absolutely no comprehension whatsoever. You know, I, it wasn't that I wasn't reading. It wasn't that I wasn't, quote-unquote, in the Word. It's that I did not have the doulos mentality. And so I did not have the doulos or the, the bondservant comprehension of what he had to say. But, folks, I tell you what, once I gave my heart to Jesus and I legitimately became born again, and I was a new creature in him, and then the Spirit of God filled me through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know what it did? It changed everything. It, it, it changed my perspective. It wasn't what I got sitting in some Bible class. It wasn't what I, I got sitting at the feet of a theologian or whatever else. It was the comprehension and the understanding I got denying myself and saying, God, I'm undone, and I need the Spirit of God to lead and guide me into all truth. And folks, listen, that is not just relegated to the person that goes off to seminary or the person standing behind the pulpit. That is to anybody who would cry out to God and say, God, listen, I am your servant. God, I want to get into that inner circle. I want to, I want to understand that. That, that personal communicate between you and the Father. I want to understand through the person, the Holy Spirit, dwelling me in according to 1 Corinthians 3, uh, uh, 16. And I want the Spirit of God to show me things the, and, and to reveal things to me in relationship to who you are. Folks, he'll do that for you. And so if you think to yourself, listen, I'm not that smart. I'm not that, 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 that learned. I'm, I'm none of these things. Folks, listen, it has nothing to do with those things. He says, you have been given the mind of Christ, and you'll have a comprehension and an understanding. And so as long as you limit the the revelation of Jesus based upon your knowledge or your intellect or your IQ, folks, you're going to miss it. Because what this is, this is so much higher than us. The, 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 the ability to grasp that and transcend it is, is so much elevated. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. He'll use the foolish things of men to confound the wise. Not many mighty, not many noble are called. He'll use those weak things and those base things. And so, folks, if you're willing to, to fall like dead men and dead women, if you're willing to, to become undone, what you're going to see is you're going to fall into the category of
of that servant, the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave to him, Jesus, to show unto you, to show unto Deb, to show unto Steve, to show unto Terry, to show unto Troy, to show unto Raymond, to show unto Catherine, to show unto to Dina, to show unto Donna, to show unto to, to Wanda, whoever it may be that's willing to say to themselves, Lord God, I, I want to come and I want to pursue after you with a relentless pursuit for your truth, and, 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 and I'm dead to everything else. Folks, that's what's going to happen to you. Think about this for a second. Amos chapter 3, verse 3. You know Amos 3, 3. Most of you guys do. When I say it, if you don't know it by verse, you'll know it by, by, by rote. Can two walk together except they be in agreement? You know that. Now, I want to read the next five, six verses to you. Here's what it says. It says, can two walk together except they be in agreement? Will a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? Will a young lion cry out of his den if he hasn't caught anything? Will a bird fall into the snare on the earth where there is no trap for it? Will a snare spring up from the earth if it has not caught anything at all? Now, you're thinking, what does that have to do with this? I'm going to fix to show you. If a trumpet is blown in the city, will not the people be afraid? Is there a calamity in a city? Will not the Lord have done it? Now, I want, you to, I want to tie verse 3 into verse 7. Surely the Lord God does nothing. Here's the gist of it. Unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. And so if I'm going to walk together except they be in agreed, what does that mean? What's that really talking about? You know, a lot of times we're talking about, well, I get along if I believe somebody doctrinally. And, and certainly there's some application in that. But what he's talking about is how can I walk with God? How can I know what he's thinking? How can I know what he desires from my life uh, unless I'm, I'm walking in agreement with him? And, and, and if I'm in agreement with him, what's going to happen? He's going to reveal his secrets to his servants, the prophets. And because what's he, he gave the, 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 the prophet John on the Isle of Patmos, he revealed it to him. And folks, listen, uh, I want you to take this in consideration. Listen, I want you to look at this and apply it. Psalms 91, 1 and 2, before I go any further with that. Because you need to see how to, how to bring that together. Psalms 91, 1 and 2. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say unto the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom will I trust. He that dwells in the secret place. Folks, listen, we're talking about He's revealing His secrets to His servants. We're talking about He's bringing that which had been veiled, that which had been secretive. He's unveiling those things to His prophets. But, but who does He give those things to? Those that abide under the shadow of of the Almighty. And folks, when he's talking about abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, he's talking about that influence. He's talking about that control. He's talking about that place where I take a, a subjugated role. I'm, I've, I've submitted myself to who he is and I'm allowing the Spirit of God to speak to me, through me, in me, to change me, to transform me, to inform me, whatever it may be. I'm allowing the Spirit of God to do that. And so I could say this in regards to Amos 3, 3 through 7 and Psalms 91 1. He that has seen the unveiling of Jesus as his servant really doesn't need to worry about anything because he's confident in the outcome. That's what I can say right there. If I've seen the unveiling of Jesus as his servant, that I don't have to sweat anything. I don't have to worry about whether it's going to be more red states or more blue states. I don't have to worry about you know what's going to happen at the, the, the end of the day or at the end of the week or if I'm going to get that paycheck or I'm going to be able to, to make this sale or am I, I'm going to make that grade or whatever else. I'm going to have a confidence 
And regardless of how things play out, because I know what the outcome is. Why? Because I've been invited as his, serv- as his servant into to seeing the place, to abide under his influence, to abide under that trust, to abide under that grace, to abide under his righteousness, and dwell there with my eyes wide open and the, to the unveiling of who the Lord Jesus Christ is, folks. Folks, we've got to stay and to maintain in that place. I'm coming to a place of understanding in him. And so the revelation of Jesus Christ, I'm just going to walk through that verse. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and he signified it by an angel unto his servant, John. Folks, that phrase right there, things which must shortly come to pass. Has, has been really a sticking point for so many people over the years. And, and this, the misunderstanding of, 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 alone of that phrase has really lent many people to adopting, you know, we talked about yesterday the different approaches. We talked about the historical or classical approach in interpreting that letter. And, and in that, what, it, what that historical or, or classical approach, it basically said that, that it's already happened, that, you know, all the things that are spoken of in, in the Revelation happened. And so they, what's happened, because people had a, a misinterpretation of things must shortly come to pass, what they've done is they've surmised that, well, it says it must shortly come to pass, and so surely that couldn't mean that it's going to take a couple of thousand years or so for it to happen. And so it's got to be speaking of events that had already occurred in John's lifetime or, or were about to happen within the, the, that relative time frame. And so you have people thinking that. There's people that, that we're, Deb and I were talking before the program that are amillennial, that, are, that, are, that, don't, or, that don't believe in any millennial reign of Christ. They don't believe in, in the rapture of the church. They don't believe in the tri- literal tribulation period. All those things we're going to address. And, and really, the reason they don't believe it is because... They have a miscomprehension, and they have no revelation on things which must shortly come to pass. And you'll see it. Maybe some of you got it in the, in the, in the commentaries in your, in your Bibles. And so what it does, it's just a total, and if I, if, I'm, if I can be so bold, it's a total lack of understanding in regards to this unveiling. But as, as totally uh, a, a, a lack of understanding as it is, it's not atypical, folks. And, and I'll give you an example of that. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 2 through 14. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 2 through 14. I'm going to show you how typical that is as, 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 as Peter addressed it and as we're addressing it this, this morning as we're in verse 1, 1 of, Revel, of the book of the Revelation. And here's what he said. He said, I want to recall the word spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command that was given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. He said, first of all, in other words, folks, pay attention. I'm going to tell you something. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. And they will say, here we go, where is the coming, he promised? Where is the revelation? Where is the unveiling? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on just as it has been since the beginning of creation. But it says they deliberately, now listen to that just for a second, they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens and the earth exist, and the earth was formed out of water by and by water. By these waters also the, wor- the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow or slack concerning his promises, as some would understand slowness or slackness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but that all would come to repentance. And look at verse 10. 
But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with the roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything that's laid in, in it will be bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this day, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Folks, listen, if I've got the unveiling, if I realize that Jesus Christ could come back at any moment, what's going to happen? It's going to drive me to live a holy and godly life. You know, I remember years ago, back in, in the 70s, when I was just a, a kid, that there was a lot of preaching on the subject of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Hal Lindsey's, we talked about it, mentioned it yesterday, the late, great planet Earth. And, and people, I, I remember my mom saying one time, she said, you know what, when all that is going on, that I, I remember I was washing dishes and the window faced the east and just, there was an expectancy there because the environment did. And so what it would drive you to do is pursue holiness. But what happened is people begin to, to be that scoffer as it's prophesying that's going to happen. They'll come and following their own evil desires. What happened is, is the preaching of the coming of the Lord and, and the pursuit of his presence and his righteousness, it gave way to the evil desires of prosperity, the health and wealth gospel, all this name and claim it business of the 80s, and people begin to forget about the coming of the Lord. What's, what's scary about that, if I can use that, that, that term, is that as it began to resurface, it began to resurface not in a, in a prophetic or a revelatory way, and talking about the coming Lord, but it, it, it began to surface in the form of entertainment. Now think about that just for a second. You, you look at the Left Behind series. Now the Left Behind series, I, I've personally not ever read one solitary book. I've heard plenty of it. I saw, quote unquote, the movie that came out. Kayla's read the, the Left Behind Kids, many of those. But you think about they, what they've done is they've taken it from the revelation of Jesus to just kind of a story and this secret agent type of mentality. You see what it's, it's produced. And, you know, this, we're going to survive. And so we're going to be kind of a clandestine operation. And so what's happened, they've produced this, this realm. And it's, it's really not the unveiling of Jesus any longer, the end times. What it is is how can we survive? How can we kind of be like Mission Impossible type of mentality? You see what it's done? And so there's, there's no seriousness in it. And so as a result, it is not accompanied by that, that, that desiring to, 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 to live holy and godly lives. Folks, listen, the coming of the Lord has got to be accompanied by a preaching of holiness, by a preaching of righteousness. It's got to be moved from the, from the, 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 the entertainment type of mentality back into the righteousness type of mentality. The, the preaching of the coming of the Lord to the lost ought to bring fear upon them. It shouldn't send them to the movie theaters to buy a ticket. It should send them to the prayer closet to, to, to call out to the Lord Jesus Christ to save their souls. But you see, there's been a paradigm shift even in the mentality. It's moved from the nonfiction to the fiction. So it becomes some fictitious thing that people use to sell books or people use to, to put something on the big screen rather than something that's used to change and transform our lives and to hide us under the shadow of the, of the Most High that we might walk with Him and be in agreement that He might reveal to His servants, the, the prophets, the things that are going to uh, come to pass. It says, but the day of the Lord, verse 10 again, will come as a thief. And I want to jump down. He says, as you look forward to the day of the Lord and speed its coming... That day will bring about destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in, in, in fervent heat. But in keeping with his promises, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness, folks. Heaven is not a home for the poor old sinner saved by grace. Heaven is not a home by the persons uh, that them and Jesus got a, their own thing going. Heaven is the home of righteousness. None but the righteous shall see him. We've got to live a life of righteousness. 
through faith in the blood of Jesus, loving his appearing, getting Christ revealed to us, if we're going to have a home in a place called righteousness. So then, dear friends, he says in verse 4, since you are looking forward to this, not if you are looking forward to this, if I'm a true dulo servant, since I'm looking forward to this time of righteousness, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Folks, listen, everything about my being, everything about my, my life, my testimony, my preaching has got to be every single effort is being made to be found spotless, blameless, and with peace with him. Folks, what is, what is so sad is you, you see the church, and I know many of these guys, Pastor Terry, uh, Brother Steve, uh, that are involved in, 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 in blogging and, and, and Deb and, and different ones that are, that are putting things out on the Internet, and especially those that are putting it out uh, with, with an environment that claims to be Christian. What you're going to find, and these guys have seen it because I've seen what they've written, I've read what they've written, and I've seen the, the attacks and the comments. When they begin to preach a word of righteousness, when they begin to call people to repentance, the attack comes on. Immediately they're told, don't judge me. You're being critical. You're unloving. You're all these type of things. But folks, when I listen and I read Second Peter, I'm telling you that I've got to look forward. I've got to make every effort not to, to resemble the world, not to think that I can get me a couple of Jesus tattoos and, 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 and I'm getting to heaven, or not that I think that I can... can can resemble the, 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 the works of darkness, that I don't have to walk in agreement with Him, and that somehow I'm going to get a free pass into the kingdom. What do I have got to do? I've, if I'm looking forward to having a home of righteousness, if I'm looking forward to being with Him in eternity, to getting Jesus not just revealed to me then, but in the now, what do I got to do? I've got to make every single effort to, to, to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. Follow holiness and peace, folks, with all men, without which... No one will see the Lord. Folks, listen, we don't need to taper down or back off the message of holiness and righteousness and fearful that we're going to hurt somebody's feelings. The people that are walking in, in, in uh, they're, they're walking spotted, they're walking blamed and, and, and contrary to peace with him. Folks, they are already, there's a condemnation that's on them. And what happens when you preach the truth, you preach righteousness, you preach holiness to them, you preach the coming of the Lord. What it does, it brings conviction. And they're either going to respond and repent or they're going to cower back and they're going to uh, embolden themselves with their sin and they're going to uh, try to turn the tables upon you. Folks, listen, do not back away from preaching righteousness. Do not. Th- folks, let me, let me say this to you guys, especially you guys that preach the word in, in maybe it's a pulpit or some other format. Folks, do not denigrate the word of God by backing off truth. I'm telling you, do not do not think that you have to make excuses for preaching righteousness. Do not think that you've got to apologize for telling people what the Word of God says. Please do not do that. Do not diminish it. Do not take the edge off the gospel by thinking that you've got to qualify everything. The Word of God is sharp and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to discern between the thoughts and the intents of a, man heart, a man's heart. It is that merismos. It is that thing that gets down to those places that we cannot even get to. Folks, allow that Word to do it. Don't back off that those that hear it might be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. So I want to, I want you to look. And we we just read, and I want to give you something. I want to back up to that for just a second here. You know, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto Him to show His servants things which must shortly come to pass. That verse ten of Second Peter three, it says, "But the day of the Lord will come as a thief." Okay, we, we know that. We've, we've read that before. We've read it in what? Matthew 24, 43, Luke 12, 39 is a, is a, is a companion uh, text on, on that. And so, let me ask you a question today. How does this apply to us? Do, would you even know? You know, he comes as a thief in the night. And let me ask you, let me pose it as a question. Can we expect to be taken by surprise? 
Okay? I want to, I want to give you another reference that should shed some, some light upon this, folks. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 through 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 through 5. You know what we read right here? There's a coming people are promising. They're, they're, I mean, they're saying, yeah, he's promised it ever since creation. 2 Timothy chapter 3, but it hadn't happened. And, uh, and, and he tells, well, listen, you pay attention. The day of the Lord will not come as a thief. And he's saying, listen, look forward. Make every effort to live spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. He's coming as a thief in the night. Now look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 through 5. For you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a what? Thief in the night. And so what happens is many people say, you know what? Man, I'm just going to be taken by surprise just like everyone else. But he didn't stop there. Look what he says. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, somebody say, but you are not in darkness. You brethren, not you stranger, not you somebody on the outside, not you the company of the unrevealed, but you brethren are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are not the children of light. You you are all the children of light and the children of day. You are not of the night nor of darkness. Folks, listen. The whole thief in the night is not for the the servant of God. It's for the lost. They're the ones that are going to be saying, where's he coming? What's happening? Folks, listen. God, back to Amos 3, 7. Surely the Lord God does nothing. Somebody say nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants the prophets. And so what we'll do is we'll take a, a, some ambiguous statement like that out of context. And we'll think, well, you know what? Man, we're not. Folks, listen, you'll know. He said, you'll know the, the, the signs of the times. He said, can you not know because of your relationship with him? You can go outside and look at the sky. And it's red. It's going to rain or whatever. Can you, do you not know the signs of the times? The only way you know that is to have the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Now, 2 Peter 1.19, 2 Peter 1.19, you may say to yourself, well, well I'm not a prophet. I, folks, I don't claim to be a prophet. But I know what 2 Peter 1.19 says. It says, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well to take heed, as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn. Folks, that's the coming of the Lord. And the day star arise in our hearts. Folks, listen, you don't have to go around telling people, behold, thus saith the Lord. You don't have to go chasing Kim Clement or some other, uh, the, the Elijah list or some self-styled prophet. What did he say? He said, you have a more sure word of prophecy. And you know what that sure word of prophecy is for us today? It is the unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the revealing of him to us. It is him doing nothing unless he reveals it to his servants. You know what qualifies me to, to, to hear the prophetic? Doulos. Of becoming a servant to him. I position myself to have access into that private communique between God the Father and God the Son. To have a comprehension and an understanding of a knowledge of those things. Because what? As the light that shines in darkness, you are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are children of the light. And if I am children of the light, I have been given a sure word of prophecy that, that, that they would not overtake me as a thief. Now, First John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. I'm pulling that verse right back in. Does it not? And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, when we shall have that apocalypse, we shall have that revelation that we will be like him. We will be spotless. We will be blameless. We will be at peace with him because we're like him. 
for we shall see him as he is. Folks, how we see him is going to be uh, 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 in direct proportion on how we serve him. You hear what I'm saying? I will serve him as I see him. For the people that don't see him as holy, they're not going to serve him in holiness. For the people that don't see him as righteous, they're not going to see him in righteousness. For the people that do not see him as the king of kings, they will never serve him under the lordship of the Lord God Almighty and of his authority. The people that see Jesus as the great compromiser will walk in compromise. The people that see him as the great negotiator will always be negotiating their situations with him rather than falling on their faces like like dead men. You've got to say, God, let me see you for who you are. Reveal to me the holiness, the righteousness of God that I might serve you in direct proportion to the revelation or the unveiling that you brought into my life. Amen? Amen. Folks, as the doulos, as believers, we are in the know. Okay? We are in the know. We've been given access and understanding into the private letter that God wrote to His Son Jesus. It has been unveiled unto us. Folks, listen. We're no longer on the other side of a curtain imagining what was happening in, in the holy place. We're, we're not. We're not there and just maybe see the trickle of smoke out from under the, 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 the curtain and, and just longing for the kind of glory of God. We're, we're not there anymore, folks. Uh, we're, we're, we've been given access, literally by the blood of Jesus, into the throne room of grace and mercy. We've been given access into that place where, where the, the mind of Christ, the revelation of Jesus, he said, you are seated with him in heavenly places. How? As I walk in agreement, as I find myself spotless, blameless, if I find myself holy and with, with, at peace with him, I find myself having an understanding of that revelation. And so we're no longer there. The revelation of Jesus Christ, I'm going to read that, continue to read that verse, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and he signified it by his angel unto his servant John. I, I told you just a minute ago that there's so many people that get tripped up by this because they, they read shortly come to pass. And thinking shortly certainly can't mean 2,000 years. I want to tell you what that word literally means, though. That word shortly come to pass literally means, and, and you can type this up for me, Deb. It means having a rapidity, like rapid, rapidity of action once there is a beginning. Shortly come to pass means having a rapidity of action once there is a beginning. So let me read it like this. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show his servants things which will have a rapidity of action once there is a beginning. Let me, let me give you a, a picture, an analogy of what it's like. It's, it's like a, a track star about to run a 100-meter dash. And so what he's doing beforehand, he's stretching his legs. He's preparing. Maybe he's jogging in place. He, he's, he's warming up. He, he focuses. He, he visualizes crossing the finish line. All of that is anticipation for the gun going off. Take your marks. Get set. Then go. Okay? And, and once go happens, in a flash, he leaves the starting block, and before you know it, he's breaking the tape at the finish line. Folks, here's what I'm saying today in accordance with the word. Take your marks. Get set. Because we're about to go. Do you hear what I'm saying? You've got to take your mark. And what is that mark? Philippians 3.14. I press towards the mark for the 
prize. In other words, I'm taking my mark. I'm positioning myself at the starting line because I know at just any moment, according to First Thessalonians, that at any time that the trump will sound, that, that the dead in Christ shall rise first, and those that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the air. And we're going to look at that when we get to the fourth chapter of the book of the Revelation. But you, you see what I'm saying? So right now what I'm doing is I'm taking my mark and I'm getting set. I'm establishing myself. I'm, I'm sta- establishing myself upon the foundation of truth, upon the, the, the rock who is Christ Jesus. I'm building upon those premises because when that that alarm goes off, I know that something is going to happen with rapidity of, of action. That that, that that which was held back is going to, going to burst forth like a flood. And so that's what he's talking about. Listen, all those things are building up. They're building up the stretching, the preparation, the warming up, the visualizing the end of it, the getting ready. But folks, listen, when it starts happening, it is going to start happening. And I tell you what, if you're not prepared, if you're not walking in agreement with him, you will be overtaken as a thief. Your head will be spinning. You'll find yourself worrying. You'll be watching the stock markets. You'll be watching the economy. You'll be stressing over all these things. But, folks, if you just got access to this private letter right here, and you begin to look what's going to happen and how God's going to reveal himself to us, folks, there's really no reason whatsoever to sweat those things at all. And he said the things, and and I said it's the things that John saw are really the same way. It Really, all that led up to this point was just in preparation to the blast of that starter's pistol. When it happens, folks, we're going to have a sprint to the finish line. And I tell you what, for me right now is what I see unfolding. You know what? I'm not surprised because everything I see unfolding, whether it's in politics or in government or the economy or whatever it is, I see it revealed right here. And so I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's right on time. Yeah, that's, that's what's happening. And so I'm excited about it in anticipation because I've also read the end of that letter. You know, I just didn't read the, 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 the Dear Jesus part. But I read the, 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 even the prologue and the, the prelogue to it. And so I know exactly what's going to happen. So, folks, he says, I've done it. And I'm going to close out with this today as we set up to get into verse 2 tomorrow. He's, he said, I'm showing you these things. Uh, God gave unto his servants to show his servants things must shortly come to pass. And he sent and he signified it by his angel unto his servant John. That word signified literally means to give by sign. Sign is the, is the root word for signified. It's the Greek word semeno, S-E-M-A-I-N-O is the English rendering of that word, S-E-M-A-I-N-O. And it means to, to give a sign, to signify, to indicate. You know, if you're going down the highway and you see a, a sign that's got a, a, a twisted arrow on it, what does it mean? It's signifying. It's not the real term, but it's giving you a sign. And so what you do is you interpret that sign based upon what you know. And so what we're going to find through the book of Revelation, it's filled with signs, it's filled with symbols. But the good news is, for the most part, folks, the explanations are right there within the same context of the Scripture. You'll see it, for example, as we get into chapter 1. He's talking about Jesus standing in, or this, this one standing in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. You get down to verse 20, he tells us exactly what that is, and we'll be looking at that. So throughout this book, what we're going to do is we're going to take those signs, and we're going to let Scripture interpret Scripture. Okay? And I'm going to show you that the whole Revelation, people say they can't understand it. Well, you, they don't understand because they're not in their Bible. You get in your Bible, you know the whole of the Revelation. Not just in this unveiling here to John, but the whole of the scripture. What you're going to say is, oh, that makes perfect sense because it says such and such right here. And so that's why I want to really always tie you into other verses of scripture. He says he signified it by uh, uh, his angel. And the angel, you know, it's speculative because it doesn't name who this angel is. It's a real angel. You know, speculation and probably the most likely candidate in this case is probably Gabriel. Because, you know, he's first identified in Daniel chapter 8. Daniel's a very good uh, companion book to study in relationship to uh, uh, 
to the Revelation. In, in a couple chapters also, uh, Ezekiel chapter 36, 37, 38 are also some good companions for it as well. But Gabriel, you know, he's, he's, he's mentioned in, in Daniel 8. And what he does, he always communicates a message from the throne of God. Uh, to God's servants. So you see that consistent. He's also seen in Daniel chapter 9, uh, Luke 1, 19 and 26 at the birth of John and the, the Messiah is announced. And so what we have here is the revelation of Jesus Christ, that unveiling which God gave. He revealed and he's showing his servants these doulos of things which once they start happening, folks, they're going to they're going to happen with a rapidity of action. And, and he sent and he's given it through signs unto his angel, possibly Gabriel, doesn't say it, unto his servant John. And so it's passed on, but it's a letter that's passed on from God to Jesus, hands that letter to, to the angel, uh, whoever it may be, to John, and John is sharing this private letter with us from Jesus. So that, set, that wraps up Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. A lot, I know there's a lot in it, folks, and, and you can go back later and pick this up. We'll have it on our, our website here in the next couple of days for that. But uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Guys, listen, uh, your, 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 your seeing is going to be evident of your serving and vice versa. And so ask God today to, to show you himself in a, in a greater way, in a, in a way of righteousness and holiness, because your servanthood or your following after him uh, and, and ultimately the revelation that you have of him is going to be based upon how you see him and how you know him. Folks, thank you so much. We are totally, totally out of time today. If you have questions, don't forget you can send those to Raven at BigGrace.com. And we'll be back tomorrow. Folks, i got one bit of advice for you to close out tonight is that if you'll get into God's word, God's word will get into you.